JB, sit back, relax. Here we go. Super. James Baker. Never here. Talks to you all the time. You talk to him more you talk to me. And he's I come a pretender. Here. He's, he's yeah. what we call a pretender. But, too, he's got a beautiful wife, great family. Yeah, he, he's successful. The only downside in his life is I'm his co-host, okay? I, I mean, he, he's got great things going except for that. And he never can show up here at Merchant Marine. And then, from everything I see, he's an alleged guitar player. Alleged, yeah. Alleged? Yeah, Eric Wren and I attended a concert one time. We, we think he was already dubbed in the background. But. I know. Listen, every, anyone can buy Guitar Hero. Yeah, true. Anyone can buy that. You say yeah. I could be a guitar guy yeah, absolutely. too. Absolutely. If, if if he's doing it, absolutely. You should see him sing to his wife at his wedding. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. So if he came here to Merchant Marine, what would you do? Would it be red carpet or would it be fifty push-ups? It'd be red carpet, and at the end of the red carpet, fifty push-ups. There you go. I like it. <laughs> Let's roll with week three of in the huddle. Okay, JB. Uh, I've been uh, waiting all weekend to finally uh, get that one uh, on you. On me. Yeah, no, that was nicely done by you and Coach Stoop. I appreciate that. And I'll make sure to be uh, ready to, to drop and do my 50 eventually. I got to get up there one of these days, man. It's really true. Certainly do. The, the guitar reference, very uh, good by him. I, I, we didn't even talk about that beforehand, but uh, he was ready uh, to fry you a little bit there. And for once, it's not me. That's all I got to say. Um, he, he was in a good mood after that game, though, because he got his first shutout yeah. in 15 seasons of coaching Merchant Marine Academy. Wow. Uh, the last time they had shut out a team was in 2003. That was Plymouth State on October 11th, 2003. Congratulations to his team and to him. We'll talk more about that game and have some interviews from it in this episode. We'll have a player and coach episode coming up later in the week, obviously. Uh, just like we did last week, we'll probably try to merge them together to the degree we can get it all together. But you'll see uh, soon. If we can we get it all together. It's something we've been trying to do for a long time, Frank. Yeah, as Toop <laughs> knows well. Uh, but uh, we also have a lot of things to go over. Conference races almost got turned upside down uh, by a couple of results. But when we go through crunch time, we're going to see exactly what happened. Um, my top 25, Keith McMillan's top 25, the overall top 25, it completely exploded uh, on a, you know everybody trying to get those ballots in. And that's because a lot of the lower end teams just couldn't produce and there weren't many head-to-head -head matchups. So they were just games that really couldn't predict very well. I predicted the Carnegie Mellon win, but there were a lot more where that came from. Ultimately, what's your takeaway uh, before we uh, give it all away here on crunch time? Uh, what do you feel about week three in a nutshell? I think in a nutshell, it's confirming what we were starting to see a little bit in week two is that the there's kind of a general lack of dominance um, at the at the top of division three. And all these conference races are pretty much wide open still because it seems like even the, you know, the, the big favorites can be knocked off at any given point. So makes for a very unpredictable and exciting season only three weeks in. I like the way you said that. And uh, without further ado, why don't we go to crunch time for week three of the 2019 season in Division Three football. Let's go through all the East region. We will start with the CCC and some video to go with it from University of New England against Castleton State. And Brian Peters from UNE gets a 16 for 25 passing day, 353 yards, three touchdowns. A messy game with eight total turnovers in the game, but 31-21, University of New England wins over Castleton State. That's a big win for this second year program at this point in time. Congratulations to them. Oh yeah. Salve Regina, 62, Dean, 35, JB. Joey Moriello, I, I, he likes some of our Twitter stuff this week, or his family may have, I, I can't tell who it is yet. Mm -hmm. but 209 yards, rushing, five touchdowns. Terrell Watts, 
from Dean, though, also had 293 passing yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. But let's go back to Moriello. Salve Regina needs his legs to keep doing that this season. Yeah, and this is the Salve Regina team that I've been talking about for the last couple weeks. Is where's this? You know, where's the running game? Because that's really where they make hay and where they've been winning a lot of football games is through their offensive line executing and running backs like Moriello churning up a bunch of yards. And that's pretty much what we saw uh, last Saturday. So good on the Seahawks. A little slow start for them, but they're right back into the thick of it uh, once CCCC CCCC play starts uh, coming up soon. You're wearing the shirt of the next game, and uh, let's now go back to the scoreboard to show it in a second. There we go. 59-28 Stetson, an upper-level program. Yeah. Western New England visited, uh, and Stetson wins the game. But Al Coleman had scored the first touchdown of the game, so Western New England had a 7-0 lead early. But Stetson's offense got 35 unanswered points to win that game. We'll talk more about your visit down or up in Deland, Florida, uh, from where you are uh, later on in the yep. show. Nichols, 37, Anna Maria, Anna Maria, excuse me, 20. Pierre Charles, uh, he had 24 uh, rushes for 127 yards and one touchdown. And the defense for AMC had five sacks, 10 tackles for loss. So the defense starting to try to step up there for Anna Maria, but just not getting the job done quite yet. Let's go to the new Mac. And we said it could come down to the last play again this year, and look what happened. It did again. Norwich, 17. Coast Guard, 14. It was on a Clyde Tamburo field goal to win back the mug for Norwich in this game, the little Army-Navy game. Uh, Norwich had to score the final 10 points, in fact, so they had a comeback of sorts in that game to win it with zeros on the clock. WPI now 3-0 over Husson, 31-12. Sean McAllen and Connor Field. Remember those guys we had on our show? Jason uh, Bowen had yeah. done interviews. Well, they're yeah. added again with 165 rushing yards, four touchdowns. And David Morrison from Husson, though, uh, kind of finding a groove in that game with 265 passing yards and two touchdowns. Merchant Marine, we talked about it in front of the show. 45, Maritime, zero. First shutout since 2003, Christian Abbott. 10 for 12 for 148 yards, two touchdowns. Both of those touchdowns were to this same player who we'll name later on uh, in our interview segment. I, I bet you know who it, who it is. MIT, 13, Becker, 6. Quarterback Chris Mock with two passing touchdowns. John Robertson with 96 rushing yards. And Methodist of North Carolina, 30. Catholic, 14. Catholic having Owens three seasons so far. Just can't get a real stride here. And Nick Baker of Methodist with 127 rushing yards, two touchdowns. Catholic was held to 60 passing yards. JV, we go to the MASCAC next, and uh, we got some interesting games coming up soon, no doubt. I want to talk about UMass Dartmouth 37, Fitchburg State 13 first, though. Uh, UMD, uh, I believe we have a couple player guests later in the week from the Corsairs. Uh, we're delivering here because they have been watching us and saying, hey, what about us? And hey, what about you? Yeah, 3 0 right now. Hey, Outgained. Uh, one, 421 to 195 in that game uh, offensively. Yeah. Uh, running back Jacob Francis, 13 rushes, 63 yards, three touchdowns. Give me your brief view on the Corsairs. Well, uh, we, we know their quarterback's uh, last name is pronounced Gaychuk finally. We got that right uh, after they, <laughs> they corrected us on social media. And apparently, if you look at the NCAA stat books right now, he has the, the most passing yards, I think maybe even touchdowns uh, in the division right now. So um, everything's kind of moving pretty well with the Cor Corsairs. So yeah, we're going to talk to them up and they've got a big game uh, coming up uh, next weekend, I think against Plymouth State, a uh, battle of undefeated teams in the MASCAC and a real chance for the Corsairs to show all of us uh, D3 people out here if they're the real deal or not. Plymouth State wins their game 34-9 over Worcester State. David Hamilton with 142 rushing yards and a touchdown. They outgain Worcester State 357 to 145. Framingham State beats Westfield State 48-21. Adam Wojenski with a 19 for 28 passing day, 230 yards, two touchdowns. Mass Maritime beats Maine Maritime 42-21. Maine Maritime's losing streak does continue, but uh, Mass Maritime moves 2-0. Uh, wins the Admirals Cup and Matt Long combined for 240 yards with two passing and three rushing touchdowns on the day. That's a heck of a day for him. 
And okay. Westcon moves to 3-0 with a 42-33 win over Bridgewater State. David James from Westcon, 18 for 23, 283 of four touchdowns. And Nick Sanavica, 31 rushes, 200 yards, three touchdowns. That's from Bridgewater State, that player. So a lot of offensive prowess on that field that day, but it went to Westcon. Yeah. Let's go to another uh, highlight here, Alfred State. Got two things to show you here. First, the third touchdown, which was a pick six here. You'll see it right now. And that puts them up 20 to zero, or excuse me, 19 to zero. Watch the extra point. It doinks off the back of one of the blockers on offense, hits straight up into the air just about, but with an angle, and goes through. That is a legal extra point. It was good. And that makes it 20 wow. to zero. Alfred State final 27 to 21. Thanks to Dennis O'Donnell and his crew for uh, calling that to our attention and also digging up the clips for us. Even though uh, it was Rochester losing in that game, they were very helpful as Dennis always is. And thanks to Coach uh, Martinovich over there for helping us as well on that. Uh, Apprentice 49, Gallaudet 13. Uh, the Builders outgained the Bison 448 to 205. It says on our sheet here, Mason Tatum. Mason Tatum from Apprentice with a 235-yard passing day and three touchdowns. Liberty League, hey, how about some more video? Hobart, it was a 17-point deficit, I believe, at one point in this game for Hobart. and 17-3, 14 points. 14-point 14 14 deficit. deficit. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and check that uh, video, make sure it wasn't 17. All these numbers flying around, these comebacks this weekend. No, I believe you're correct. A 14-point deficit for Hobart. 20-17 final, though. Hobart, which did not lead in the first 59-59 of this game. They were tied a couple times, sure, but they never led until that field goal you just saw. Incredible job there. RPI hosting Utica at 6 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, they end up winning the game 35-33. There were five lead changes in that game. And you'll see uh, the defense batting down the two-point conversion attempt to set, you know, hold on to that lead. It would have been 35-35 otherwise. Both quarterbacks passed for over 260 yards and three touchdowns. Union had to hold off Springfield's uh, attempt at a comeback late in uh, their game. And it was running back Joseph Ferreira with two rushing touchdowns and Colin Lama with 15 tackles, one for loss for Union. That secured that victory. The fourth longest winning streak in Division Three right now belongs to Union, uh, tied with one other team for that with six games right now in a row. Ithaca, the number 22 team in the nation. We don't even get to the highlight game of the uh, conference until now. That's the funny thing here. 27-9 over Alfred. Joe Germanario, 27 for 40, 249 passing uh, yards, uh, one passing and one rushing touchdown. But more importantly, the defense of Ithaca with two interceptions and held sacks, held the Saxons to six for 16 on third down. I know you're watching a little bit of that game. Does the score tell the story of that game? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the, the, it was never really in doubt. The Bombers seemed to be in control early on. They, they scored early and their defense just really kept the, the Saxons bottled up. Alfred just really struggled to move the ball and uh, you know Joe made enough plays offensively to keep things going. Uh, and really, the, the story is, if there were questions, if the Ithaca defense is dropping off after graduating with eight or nine guys from last year's squad, they, they reloaded pretty well to keep Alfred to only nine points. Friday night's game was St. Lawrence beating SUNY Morrisville 32-22. Uh, kind of a surprising uh, victory there because St. Lawrence just looked like they were really listless at that 0-2 start. And SUNY Morrisville almost got the win against Hobart the previous week, or at least was in that game for a while. Uh, but it turns around and Joseph Viscardo uh, tied the school record with four receiving touchdowns on the evening Friday night. Congratulations to him. In the Empire 8, here are the wins. Now, this is an incredible scenario. 40-16, to St. John Fisher wins, but they were down at halftime 16-5. to They had to score 35 unanswered points in the second half to win that yeah. game. TCNJ was probably licking their chops uh, during this uh, halftime, and lo and behold, Bosberg's uh, team shows up and gets it done. Hunter Walsh. 22 for 36, 208 yards, two touchdowns, one interception for him. And the defense obviously did a great job. Jason Rodriguez with two interceptions. 
Rockport is back with Freddie June now under center. 55-22 over Buff State, 291 total yards for June. He's got some legs underneath him as well. Three passing touchdowns, yeah. two rushing touchdowns, and the teams combined for 32 penalties to lose 300 yards. Hey, guys, we need to see that stop. That's not representing our region or our division very well. Let's get that out of our system, everyone. Let's go to the MAC. And uh, MAC action was beginning in earnest uh, this go around last week. They were the games that you saw that may have been cross uh, across MAC games weren't really uh, conference games. Those were fill-in games, not officially say, official. Correct. They wouldn't have actually played those games because of the round robin they're doing now in that conference. But they wanted to still play a tenth game, so they scheduled each other. So we started 0-0 before this weekend. We want to make that clear right now. Delval has to win late again, uh, or this time they win it late, but a close game against Stevenson this time, 28-21. Aaron Nelson, 68-yard touchdown reception with 7.56 remaining, and the DelVal defense is really keeping them in these games. Eight sacks, one interception. Gave up only three points in regulation to Wesley last week, don't forget. Wilkes, 24, Lycoming, 17. That's the final in overtime. I believe double overtime was that, in fact? Uh, yeah, it was a little overtime. Yep, man. It was a it was a defensive player who saved the day for the Colonials. So, congrats to Coach Drock on their three and zero start. They are uh, Drock shows going full bore there. And that was Bud Moyer with that interception to uh, end the game on the 24-17 score. I believe there was a, a extra point or field goal I saw hit an upright and bounce out that actually kept this game going as long as it did. So the interesting kicks going all over the place uh, this weekend. Uh, Le Val, uh, Lebanon Valley uh, beats Alvernia 31 to 12. Cody Kigaris uh, or Kigaris, uh, we'll we'll try to get that one too. Yeah. I'm sure somebody's going to send it to us on Twitter. The correct pronunciation for this one. Yes, 142 total yards for uh, two passing and two rushing touchdowns for him. And then Kings beats Hartwick 41 to 19. They combined for nearly 800 yards of offense, eight total turnovers in that game. Let's end it with the, or well, we're not going to end it, actually. We got two to go. And Jack, first here. This was a game of games. This was really a surprise to a lot of people. It was 17 to 0 at halftime, but the, what you're watching is the game winning kick by Wesley. They made it 20 to 17. The Wolverines win the game. Go ahead. So I think the, the catalyst here, and you're probably about to read off the stats, is that there was ultimately a quarterback change for the Wolverines. And yep. uh, David Morocco really struggled in the first half, uh, threw, threw at least one or maybe more interceptions. Nothing was going right for Wesley. Uh, and to the Gulls' credit, they capitalized. They were taking advantage. But John Mullen comes in, and it's a totally different ball game. The Wesley defense locked things in. And uh, hey, uh, you got to credit the goals. They took the number 15 uh, team in the country to the wire. Probably should have beaten them. Um, so you know, credit to Coach McGonagall and company there in Beverly. But wow, John Mullen. Um, yeah, he's probably your starting quarterback for the Wolverines going forward after that performance. You know, sometimes in practice it doesn't show up. It's sometimes in game time situations it does. We said that about Luke Corman actually in the past where they don't want to uh, start him for yep. whatever reason. Then he shows up in games and shows up in games uh, for that matter. There are quarterbacks like that out there, and, and not just even quarterbacks, a lot of different players. But uh, Nick Brun uh, with the uh, game-winning field goal from 27 yards out. Mullen, 22 for 27, 253 and two touchdowns. Brevard, uh, 27, Christopher Newport, 6. Even though CNU had led 6-0 at halftime, Brevard gets the next 27 points. In the NESCAC, we had this game as our feature game uh, discussion on Friday. Williams-Tufts, it wasn't much of a game. 44-8, Williams wins. Bobby Mamoran, I believe is what we've uh, finally landed on for his yep. name <laughs> pronunciation. 391 total yards, four passing, one rushing touchdown. Frank Stola, 233 yards, four touchdowns as a wide receiver. Then I wasn't really close in any of the games in the NSCAC, so we'll go next to Amherst, uh, 24, Colby, 10. Colby led after the first 7-0, but Ali Eberth and company come back flying, 290 in yardage, two passing touchdowns for Eberth. Middlebury, 28, Bates, 0. Will Jernigan, 22 for 30, 292, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Wesleyan, 28, Hamilton, 
10. The Cardinals defense had four interceptions in the game. And Trinity, 61, Bowden, 7. Apparently, they feel they can carry points backward to the previous week's game or something, the way they scored in that one. Doesn't work that way, unfortunately, for them. But they will uh, yeah. go to 1-1 one one as Seamus Lambert goes 13 for 18 for 391 yards, five touchdowns. And running back Spencer Lockwood, two rushing touchdowns. That is crunch time for week three. Now, as we do every week, we're going to go to JB's uh, lines of the week, essentially, here. His players of the week, plays of the week, or surprises of the week. Uh, we'll, we'll figure out the exact name for this segment at some oh. point later on. Yeah, but, things uh, and stuff that I noticed over the weekend. Yeah, man. we'll start with stat champs, for instance. And the offensive stat champ was quarterback Bobby Mamoran of Williams, uh, 391, five touchdowns, and a 44-8 to eight win over Tufts. Uh, Coach Raymond, uh, I saw him uh, in a post-game uh, scenario discussing uh, this game, and he seemed uh, very happy with the overall production of his offense with good reason. Yeah, and you know, part of the reason why I sort of gave the, the tip of the cap to, to Bobby was the fact that not only did he you know, pass for a number of touchdowns, but he also rushed for over 100 yards. I've seen there's a lot of other quarterbacks out there that can do it with their arm, but this guy can do it with both uh, legs and and armed. And so uh, this was a must-win game for Williams after dropping a heartbreaker to Middlebury in the first week of, of NESCAC play. So a uh, real great comeback for them and, and definitely a commanding performance uh, for him. Uh, um, that is Manron, who might, you know, he's in contention for probably an offensive player of the year if he can keep putting up numbers as gaudy as that. I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. On defense, you have Wesley Shimir Vessels, who we had uh, interviewed by Jason Bowen a couple weeks ago. 12 tackles, four for loss in the 20-17 to win over Endicott. They needed every one of those tackles for loss, especially. Yeah, and this was tough because you could go with uh, Colin Lama from Union, with, who had 15 tackles. I think four were solo, 11 were, were assisted. So he was definitely getting in on all the plays. Um, but... There was just bigger stakes, I think, uh, for for Wesley in this one, and this is where they really needed their defensive line to have those tackles for loss to, to quell the the surge that the Gulls off the offense was having. So, uh, close call there. There was a couple other um, you know tackles out there, tacklers out there, I should say. I think one of them we're actually going to have on our show later this week um, from. Uh, from the Corsairs who blocked the punt, had an interception, had about 10 stops, a lot of great defensive play, but I'm going to go with Vessels just based on the fact that it was sort of a must-win situation, especially after falling down 7-zip. Special teams, Kyle Hackett, uh, Clyde Tamburo, uh, I mean, uh, the Hobart uh, connection and the Norwich connection there, Nick Brun uh, with the Wesley connection, they all made the game-winning field goals to save the day, and it really was saving the day for all three I of those teams. Something happened in Tampa, man. It's just, uh, you know, the, the game-winning field goal is just, uh, can be elusive sometimes, especially in high-pressure situations, and so you got to give credit to those three guys for coming through for their teams when they need them, needed them to do so, and honestly, Frank, the, the celebration after the Norwich field goal was great. I mean, the, the field was rushed. You know, guys were running around the celebration, especially for the 200th anniversary of the uh, university slash academy. I mean, that was a game that, that you knew Norwich was really hoping to win. And to, to have it happen in such a dramatic fashion really probably was just the, the cherry on top of what was a great weekend for them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was uh, fun to be a part of it in so far as the Matt Dunn interview last week and sort of getting behind the uh, game itself on Friday or Thursday with our uh, little um, poll question we did on Twitter and everything. And great, got a great response from that. Almost won 50 50. I think it was 53 47 in the end um, in favor of Coast Guard. But that told you how people thought that game would cut closely. And it did cut closely. It was tied until the very end. Um, and uh, the most surprising situation oh, by the way, I want to say one thing. Not just the kickers, but the snappers and the holders. Because if we're going to talk about that Tampa field goal, that was a bad snap, and they never put the ball in the right spot, in the right position, basically. The angle that the holder got it in did not put it in the best spot for his kicker, and that's what caused it to shank left. Give me 30 seconds on the soapbox. Talk about the bad snaps in that Hobart Rowan game. There was at least 15 that were you – know, uh, Poor Ryan Hoffman was trying to catch the ball between his ankles the whole game, and even on some of the um, on some of the punts that you know went flying over um, the punter's head, just 
really poor execution, spe uh, special teams center-wise. Hobart needs to get that locked down. Um, and I think Hoffman, too, if I would say to him, he just he needs to he needs to relax and just have some fun. He's got, you know, seven plus maybe more games left in his career. A lot of overthrows, a lot of plays where I think he's just trying to do a little too much. I mean, it's a lot on Coach DeWall to have him throw the ball 59 times, which is a, a tie to school record at, at Hobart. But, um, you know, settle it down, try to get those snaps right, because like Frank said, it, you know, execution is the ultimately the end of the day. Um, and speaking of execution, I think that ultimately when I was up at uh, up at Stetson watching the WNE game, that was really the difference in that game. Size-wise and talent-wise, there really wasn't much of a gap. Uh, but I would say that just the, the crispness of the execution really showed, you know, why the Stetson is an FCS program and Western New England is a, is a D3 one. Um, some of the punting, you know, there was definitely some shorter punts for, for WNE, which, which made it challenging. Alec Coleman was knocked out of the game a little bit. Um, their backup quarterback came in through an interception, sets and scored not long after that. And if you look at like the just even the, the program here, I mean, this is this is the uh, this is the Stetson roster. If you can see it, it's about two to three times larger than uh, the WNEs. Just a lot more kids, a lot more depth. Um, but as far as like the, the physicality, I mean. WNE came out. They were ready. They were fired up. I talked to uh, Coach Bresner briefly uh, before the game. He's a defensive coordinator, and he was like, "You know, we, we didn't come here for a participation trophy. We came to win." And you know, WNE came out really socked it to them. But ultimately, it was the, the the execution. They have a grad uh, graduate uh, quarterback on, at Stetson who threw for like four or five touchdowns from Arizona. Um, you know, all the kids from, from this school are, are from the top programs in Florida, as well as several from California and the West Coast. So they're 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 recruiting at a pretty national level. But I give I give WNE credit for going down there. It was a beautiful night in old Florida. You know, the love bugs were getting in your face. And you know, Stetson has a, a nice stadium, not unlike many D3 schools. Uh, and hopefully it was a good learning experience for the Golden Bears. And hopefully they're not too banged up after it because – they still have a they still have a conference title to defend, but I appreciate uh, Coach Lobozoy Samantha for the for the gear. I'm wearing wear it proudly down here in Florida, and it was fun to see a D three game. Um, Forty five minutes from home, not not too not go. real close, but close enough. Yeah, I, I get the uh, fortune of going to a lot of the games uh, throughout our season for obvious reasons. It was fun doing the uh, Brockport uh, game day live with you last year, but that's a rarity for us. Yeah, and uh, here we go uh, at this point. Uh, let's uh, resume with your uh, Players of the Week and Plays of the Week scenario here. Most surprising game was Endicott nearly upsetting number 15 Wesley. Most disappointing was Bridgewater State and Christopher Newport both being 0-3 after their games this weekend. Most random satin thing, officiating commentary across several Division Three games this weekend. We saw Wesley's uh, game for the second straight week had some down-counting issues uh, for uh, one thing I saw. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, the, the officials are... Human too, and uh, you know sometimes you'll agree with them, sometimes you won't. Subjective calls—it's their call, and it's it's the procedural stuff that you become concerned about if they're not getting that right. But you know yeah. that's what you got to really be careful about—the distinguishing just a pure rule follow-up by them, no pun intended, or a subjective call that hey they had a good view on and they called it the way they wanted to. Fans will, you know, fry them for both of those types of things. And honestly, they should probably yeah. take a lower tone on the subjective calls when it comes down to it. Okay, JB, let's go to the recap overall here of uh, the records for everybody. We're going to do this a little quickly because we are going a little long here, almost, I think, around 27-minute yeah. mark here. And we're also got some interviews coming up uh, when we get to the new Mac in just a little bit. Uh, we'll start with the CCC. You talked about Western New England and your visit uh, there. But uh, when you look mm -hmm. at the overall win-loss records right now, to have UNE, Becker, Endicott, Western New England, and Nichols all tied at 2-1 and one right now as the leaders and yeah. overall record because there's no conference games yet. Salve Regina getting a big win against Dean to go to 1-2. and two, But Curry and Hudson mm -hmm. at 0-2 right now. This is a very – this isn't what I expected type scenario, I guess, uh, when I look at this right. overall right now. What's your insight on it? You know, like I said, it's still it's still early on. I mean, when you look at the different schedules, uh, who's played who, I, I think at the end of the day, like you said at the top of the show, you really got to credit UNE for starting off two and one. 
Um, and they, that one that they lost was still a pretty, a pretty good game, pretty close game, I think. So uh, the Nor'easters are going to be playing Western New England. It's like the battle of New England this weekend. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah, and that's another long trip, honestly, for Western New England. That's not a short jaunt uh, because they have to go a little ways into Maine for that game oh, to be played. Maine, yeah. So uh, there are three conference games being played. Becker at Endicott. That could be interesting. Right, let's see what Endicott uh, comes back with now after that somewhat disappointing loss because they should have probably won the game, as you said earlier, when they uh, were ahead 17-0. Salve, Salve Regina at Nichols. Nichols looking for an upset there. Although their records are reversed for what you think would be an upset, I think common logic would say that would be an upset in most uh, years if Nichols were to beat Salve Regina. And Western New England, University of New England. We have Curry at uh, Coast Guard and Husson at Morrisville State as non-conference games as well. Let's move to the new Mac. Uh, Merchant Marine, I, I keep wanting to look at them as a 2-0 team, to be honest with you. And they're not. They're 1-1 because the number of points they put up in week yeah. one, uh, and we talked about this a lot in the inter interviews we're about to run. Um, they gave up 56, I think it was, against FDU Florham. And after doing that, to come back and pitch a shutout, that's even more amazing than the shutout just being pitched alone. And so yeah. we wanted to talk to – let's uh, talk to the offensive players first that we uh, had. We had Christian Abbott. The quarterback for the second straight season we had him on the show or on a post-game uh, discussion and also joe vitelli we were kind of teasing him earlier uh in our crunch time segment that uh he got both touchdowns uh, receiving from abbott they talk about what they learned between weeks one and three basically because they had an off week in week two and uh here's our discussion 45-0 here at Kings Point. Christian Abbott, you're like the Joe Germanario of in the huddle uh, suddenly because this is your second appearance with us. And we have Joe Vitelli who had two touchdowns, well, 120, I think, uh, receiving yards today. Chris, I'm going to start with you. What's it with this throwing game suddenly? Uh, that was uh, kind of the difference maker, it seems like, for your team to win 45-0 today. Yes, sir. Uh, first off, thank you for having us. And uh, second, the coaches do a really good job scouting. We watch film all week. So whatever the game plan calls for, we do what they tell us. So. Now, Joe, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but you're shorter than I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm 5'9". Yeah. <laughs> you caught some unbelievable passes, high passes today that I couldn't even dream about reaching up there. Yeah. And granted, I'm not that athletic. But uh, I mean, what is going on between you two? Because I think it was eight catches total, two touchdowns today for you. What is this kind of chemistry forming between you and Christian on that field? It's uh, our second year together now, so uh, I think that chemistry is growing. And uh, you know, only, and a triple option, you only get so many opportunities. So when, when the ball is up there, you got to go make a play for the team. At what point did you guys uh, kind of realize that this could be the first uh, shutout since 2003 for Merchant Marine? So um, looking at the scoreboard, we've played until the last second. So Nobody told you guys ahead of time? It wasn't going to be a shutout until it was a shutout. <laughs> Did you guys have any recollection or recognition that it was a shutout uh, for the first time in 16 years, though? No, we don't We don't think about that. Like, at halftime, we come out with a mindset that the scoreboard 0-0. And uh, defense play had a hell of a game. Way to come back from last week or two weeks ago. So I think that uh, props to them for uh, sticking to the game plan and coming out playing hard, especially the younger guys stepped up and made some plays for us today. Two weeks ago, you had a, it almost seems like a victory in some senses from the offensive point of view, but obviously the scoreboard didn't agree with that. But what did you guys learn from that loss that you took into this game two weeks later? Um, just come out to practice and focus. You know, uh, we had two weeks to prepare for this game, so I think that every single practice we had was good. We were focused up, and we had a good game plan coming in today. So I think the two weeks helped us. You know, the one last week sucked. Uh, holding on to that loss was kind of tough, but now that we got the win, we can go out uh, next week and get another one. Christian, pretty much what one said. We uh, we came into preparation and we were locked on. Both weeks, we were locked on. We weren't joking around. Came into the game focused, ready to go, and the scoreboard reflected. New Mac play next. Obviously, these games count to a degree, but the next ones count even more in a lot of senses. You ready? I think main Maritime up first here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, we got to take it one game at a time. Mar main Maritime's up next, so we'll take it in stride. Yes. Guys, player guests always get shout outs. Thank you very much. Joe. Uh, uh, shout, out to my, shout out to my family. They come up to every home game and all the away games. So appreciate the support and uh, appreciate the entire offense, entire uh, defense for uh, getting the shout out today with a big victory. Christian. 
I think my mom, my dad, my little brother, and obviously God for blessing me with the health to come out here and play today. God bless. Congratulations, guys. 45 0. Thank you, Ramos. Then um, we had defensive lineman, he's a sophomore, Tyler Sloman. And the thing that hit me the most on this one, we'll talk about after the interviews. Congratulations, first off, to you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, at what point in this game were you feeling like this was really Merchant Marine's game all the way? I mean, early on it was, you know, a little touch and go in the first quarter, but when did, were you feeling kind of in the group? Well, I mean, like, you know, last week we had a tough game, but every single game you come out, you can really feel the game's momentum off the first drive. So off of that first drive, the whole defense was rolling on all cylinders, felt it, felt the groove, and we got in it, and we kept the ball rolling. What was it about the offense of SUNY Maritime today that allowed you guys to excel? What, what did you key in on exactly? Uh, it wasn't necessarily anything about their offense. Uh, D-line did not perform last week specifically. Uh, we worked all week. We knew we had to pick it up. Uh, we knew we had to fire you know, way better than we did last week. So I think the, the really slap in the face of last week, and we you know, tasted on it the last two weeks, we really kicked it into high the last two weeks in practice, and then we were just grinding it today. Leaving out any expletives, what did Coach Toop tell your guys after that loss where he gave up, what, about 50 points or so in that uh, yeah. FDU Florham game? Um, he just, he was disappointed in us. He actually did not say a whole lot, which is Coach Toop's way of, you know, you screwed up. So, you know, the team was, really didn't need to hear a whole lot to know that they screwed up. So. Yeah, coach didn't say a whole lot. He just said, you're going to be second on this for the next two weeks. So, well, ready. something changed, obviously. 45-0 today. Tyler, you're from Washington, Washington State? Washington State, yes, sir. And all the way across, any uh, family here today? I don't have any family here. Well, you can get to say hello to them right now. Uh, any shout-outs to family uh, friends? Yeah, shout-out to my uh, parents. I mean, they're so far away, getting to watch me online at least. Uh, to my little brothers following me up in football. I haven't gotten to see any of the games, so... Can't wait for them to get to see this. A little something for them. Congratulations. Thank you. You saw the, uh, I, I wouldn't let you see the Coach Toop interview, uh, or, you know, yesterday when I sent things over, but uh, you saw his uh, shout outs and caught the fact he was from Washington okay. State beforehand. Uh, yeah, that, that was just, that kind of caught me by surprise. Uh, a little bit of the emotion you could tell there. And it seems like a great yeah. guy. Seems like a great football player. And, uh, you know, we'll wish him well here as things continue in his merchant marine career. Um, then we had this guy named Mike Toop. I don't know if you ever uh, met him before. I, I, you've talked to him several times. He thinks you're a pretender, I guess. Uh, that's that's what we learned in the open today. It's a great song by the Foo Fighters. Maybe I'll take my I'll play it on my guitar for him the next time I'm up there. But Toop was uh, a little bit annoyed with his team in the fourth quarter because they were almost blowing the opportunity for the shutout at certain points. And then uh, they got it all together again and win the game 45-0. Here is Toop. 45-0. Now, I didn't realize this. Jaden Daly picked it up uh, when he was re reading through the program earlier. And then we verify it. First shutout since 2003. Yes. This is I was at Davidson. Yeah, you were far, far away. Yeah. And this was not your program at the time. So your first shutout here at mm -hmm. Merchant Marine. Did you recognize that fact today before they said it out loud? Oh, yeah. You've, you've known this. Oh, it's defensive guys. They know everything about that stuff. So, of course. At what point did you actually let everybody else in on that little secret? Never said a word. I, I said to, to one coach in the back, late, 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 like with one minute left, and I felt like I was jinxing the situation. What... Is there a difference in this defense? I mean, look, I know they gave up 50-ish uh, against... 56 okay. and 679. Uh, apparently, you do remember that, oh, remember yeah. that too. Uh, but, I mean, they step up here. Mickey Rearing's team is a, a good team, no doubt, uh, over at SUNY Maritime, but they can't score today. What was it about this defense today? We just, you know, listen, FDU just outplayed us. They made plays. Their kid put the ball where it needed to be, and we just didn't make enough plays. And that's the bottom line. And, and uh, today, you know, they didn't hit some receivers at times, but I thought, I thought we got more pressure for sure. Um, I don't think they were. I thought we did a good job against the run. I don't think they tried to run the ball as much as I thought they would have tried. But but when they did, I thought early on we played well. First half, I thought we played well. We gave up two big plays, but then the difference today was after big plays we responded, and that was a difference. And that's basically mental. Today's offense seemed more Salisbury triple option than Springfield triple option with the amount of throwing that was going on. 
Are, are you feeling more confident right now about Christian Abbott's ability to throw to guys like Vitelli? We, we, we I thought we threw the ball last year as well. And, uh, you know, the nice thing is you're always looking to throw the ball, but, you know, how they play in you and the, what's the matchup, you know, in, in the scheme. And, you know, 12 put the ball on the money today. And, listen, we're a triple team, so I don't think one gets enough credit as a wide receiver at times, but he, he – He's legit. Five six five seven though. I mean, he's, he's, he's incredible. Legit. He's a great player for us. Great so, player. okay, these games ultimately mean something but nothing in some ways too because New Mac play starts next week. You've got a main Maritime team that nearly shocked uh, SUNY Maritime in week one. Much improved team. Saw them on film. So it's not one of these. Listen, you know me well enough, and and, and any coach who's worth a damn. If you think because of how we played today, we're going to be fine next week. That's that's a you recipe get, for disaster. You don't get to carry over the points, that's no, for sure. That's, here. A, that's a fact. So uh, we're going to have to earn it. After the 8-2 season, do you think this team got a little overconfident though no. coming in? No. No. I think, I think in the offseason leading up a little bit, I think some of the underclassmen and, you know, I think we got stung a little bit early last week, two weeks ago. But, I mean, they knew that we had a lot of guys gone defensively. Offensively, I think we played well two weeks ago, but, you know, listen, when you score 48, you should win the game. We turned the ball over a few times and missed some big plays, but, you know, um, we know what we have to do. And we, these guys know well enough, and they know the history that you've got to show up every week in this league. Whether it's non-league or league, you got to show up. So, today we did. I'll go savor the 45-0 victory I'm going to enjoy today. this one. I'm going to enjoy Absolutely. this one. Absolutely. So all kidding aside now, uh, that felt really good for him. Uh, and to have that team go from 56-48, I think it was, in one week to 45-0 yep. on the reverse on the scoreboard this week, it just – I can't think of a turnaround like that. Maybe the days when they lost to Springfield 62 to nothing, I think it was, and then came back, I think, in one yeah. the next week or something. But not like this. I mean, my, I do remember having a conversation with Coach Stoop in the in the, uh, in the pre uh, preseason, and basically they had to replace their entire defensive front um, and a number of, of key players in their secondary. So it just might have been one of those things where it was just a kind of a rookie defense getting out there and just um, having a few plays go against them. I mean, FDU Forum hasn't scored, I think, more than twenty-five or. or 30 points since so they something just clicked for them in week one and they, they haven't recaptured that magic since um you know coach robertson and company uh will be working on that but i think it was just maybe one of those things with with tubes troops that he just needed a little extra time and you know showed the guys where they made their mistakes and they were able to execute against a, a still pretty good privateer team but one that's off to a little bit of a, a more challenging start than i think uh, coach rearing was hoping for in the rest of the CCC, we should point out Norwich and Coast Guard did play a league game. That was the first conference game for uh, the new MAC, and uh, they are now 1-0 uh, Norwich and Coast Guard 0-1 because of the little Army-Navy game. Uh, the two teams are 3-0, or WPI Norwich, and you know those are the teams I'm going to be watching pretty uh, carefully, but also you can't take your eye off Merchant Marine, you can't take your eye off MIT, and even Springfield, despite their troubles against Union. I'm a little bit perplexed as to what's going on and why they're having a struggle to the degree they are right now this season, but we'll see what happens. And it doesn't get any easier in life for them. Uh, WPI at Springfield, yeah. 3 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, that That is the a game. huge game for early on in your conference season. Um, Norwich is playing Castleton, so non-league. Uh, I'm working my way backward here. Korea Coast Guard, we talked about MIT at Catholic and Merchant Marine at Maine Maritime. Merchant Marines got to be careful here. Maine Maritime almost won a game. We, we were discussing it uh, with Coach Toop uh, earlier in the season, yep. and they have that big losing streak going on right now. So let's see if they're able to turn it around against Merchant Marine. What's going to happen there? We'll see. But that's, uh, that's a conference that's got some interesting scenarios. But WPI Springfield, as big as it gets early in the season, early in the conference season. Let's flip over to the MASCAC. Plymouth State, Western Connecticut, Mass Dartmouth. Now, most people would have expected me to say Framingham State, maybe, instead of that last team as the leader uh, you know, in the conference. 
Uh, all but one team has played a conference game now. Massachusetts Maritime, 2-0 overall, but 0-0 in conference. So Plymouth State, UMass Dartmouth, and Western Connecticut are also 1-0 in conference, but so is Framingham State, despite the 1-2 start. So everything comes down to, as we always say, conference, pool A bid. These teams aren't teams that can rely on pool C. Nothing has changed from that. So Framingham State's as much in this as anybody, despite the fact they're 1-2. and two. And the other teams have to be aware of the fact that Framingham State, though losing those two games to start the season, have some really good lessons under their belt for who they played and or from yeah. who they played. And so don't count them out. Yeah, and clearly both Brockport and Endicott are you know, two of the top teams uh, in the in the East region in their respective conferences. I know, you know Brockport had a rough time when a turnover filled battle against Hobart, but if they're if they're putting up fifty five points, it looks like the the new quarterback is starting to settle in. Um, I'm sure Coach Potter has been working with him and getting getting him up to speed. If Brockport you know starts to turn it on and they're holding teams to under twenty something points a game, then it's still game on for them. And so, yeah, you, you have to sort of take the, the, the lessons of the Rams. You know, tough start, but they can still win the pool A if they, if they run the table. Framingham State is off this week. So uh, the eight teams going at are Bridgewater State at Fitchburg State, Massachusetts Maritime at Westfield State, WestCon at Worcester State. Don't expect huge surprises in those games, but the game of games is Plymouth State at UMass Dartmouth at 2 p.m. We're going to talk more about that game later this week with the players from uh, UMass Dartmouth, but we'll circle that game as a crucial game early in the season because one of these teams will go to 2-0 in conference and one will go to 1-1 after a stellar 3-0 start for both of those teams. We'll see which is which at the end of that day. The ECFC, oof. nobody has a 500 or better record right now in the ECFC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, <laughs> There's nothing okay. we can say here. But Alfred State, to their credit, yes. they beat Rochester. That is a huge win for Alfred State, to put it lightly. They go up 20-0 to zero in the first quarter and hold on in that game. We highlighted earlier some of the chicanery that occurred, uh, too, in the kicking game earlier. Uh, but 1-2, one 1-2 and two, one and two is SUNY Maritime and Alfred State. Gallaudet, Castleton, Anna Maria, Dean all looking for their first win still. This is not the start for a conference that a lot of people question. This is, for as much as St. Thomas was the poster child, I guess, for kicking teams out of conferences, the ECFC is the poster child basically for, whoa, well, you know, not all of the conferences should get a pool A bids, yada, yada. I'm not endorsing that discussion, folks. Please understand that. But this is the discussion that's out there, and this is the conference cited. Yeah. Always, this is the yeah. conference cited. So they've got to get their act together in their uh, last non-conference games. Uh, I think they have two more weeks of them, to be honest with you. Kane at Dean, Anna Maria at RPI. I mean, look, Anna Maria, you're going to be playing on a big stage <laughs> 1 o'clock in Troy on Saturday. Be ready for it. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game. Greensboro at Gallaudet. William Patterson at SUNY Maritime. There is an interesting game to see. William Patterson's win and overtime loss, if, if the ball's going to keep rolling here for that team. We'll talk more about them a little in yeah. the Jack. Alfred State at Brockport. Uh, I have a funny feeling that role for Alfred State may come to an end. In Norwich at Castleton, we kind of talked about before. Liberty League. I'm going to let you take a little bit more of the uh, discussion on this one, obviously. Uh, Union, Hobart, Ithaca. 3-0, 3-0, 2-0, respectively. No conference games yet. RPI bounces back 2-1 and one, uh, now uh, with that Utica win, thanks to the defense, especially at mm -hmm. the end of that game. Uh, and St. Lawrence yeah. finally gets their win. But what's your feeling right now? If you had to guess how the conference is going to turn out, now that you've watched all these games and we go into conference schedule, what's your view? Um, I still think Ithaca is probably the favorite just based on the fact that they've been able to execute better than than the other two. I mean, Union had some troubles, uh, and even Coach Behrman, you know, sort of fessed up to that. He wasn't thrilled with the team's performance, but, you know, at the end of the day, they got the win. Same thing with Hobart. They kind of got away from uh, the run game, had to throw the ball a lot because they were behind and, and were sort of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit, missing um, some open guys that could have given them a lead or given them some cushion. Uh, but 
right now, I mean, you know, Hobart did crack the top 25. I guess they're the top 25 team to some. Uh, I'm I'm still on the fence about that. I think that there are time there are flashes where they look great, but then there's other times like these low snaps, these um, you know interceptions, fumbles, and stuff. It just they got to clean up their act, and it's not going to get any easier hosting uh, Montclair State, who's coming off a bye week. Uh, with some very talented offensive and defensive personnel with one of the, I guess, the winningest coach in, in college football <laughs> in, in uh, but So, yeah, Hobart's got to, you know, they, if they're going to, if they want the recognition, they're going to have to, they're going to have to play a little better to, to get it, I think. I uh, don't have Hobart or St. John Fisher in my top 25, but I would have put Fisher in before I put Hobart in, just based on uh, overall conference game strength type scenarios or uh, out-of-conference uh, games uh, in the strength. By the way, I should take back something I just said before you had talked. Uh, we get one more week of out-of-conference play for the, for the Liberty League before we go to the conference slate. That's right. So it's Buff State at Cortland. Yeah, Hartwick at St. Lawrence, Anna Maria at W at RPI, excuse me, Montclair State at Hobart, so a second straight in Jack opponent. St. John Fisher at Ithaca. Now, there's going to be a test, I think, for Ithaca. Again, now, I think Alfred yeah. is a bigger test, but look, things happen in games. If the weather turns for some reason, that could have an effect in a game like that. We'll see. Rochester at Alfred's the other game. You're about to say something. I could hear you. Well, I think I think that there's a little bit of an X factor with Fisher because no, I don't think anyone expected them to be three and zero at this point and potentially in the hunt for uh, an EA title. They, their team has kind of kind of quietly come out of nowhere because they weren't really on anybody's radar, and now um, Coach Bosberg has the Cardinals you know, clicking. I mean, yeah, they had a little bit of a sluggish start against TCNJ. But when they're on, they look like the St. John Fisher uh, from just a few years ago that was going to the NCAA playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see this matchup because I think there are certain elements of Fisher's ability to put up points in their defense to make stops that could give Ithaca a challenge. And we put up the screen for the Empire 8, as you talked about it. Fisher at 3-0, Cortland at 2-0, Utica, Alfred, and Brockport at 2-1. Rockport's still very much alive, as is Alfred, as is Utica. I mean, again, these are non-conference losses that were showing up here. Yep. St. John Fisher now is has shown their cards, and so, uh, no pun intended, uh, but they uh, have shown what they're made of here. Uh, and so now teams won't be very surprised by them when it gets to conference play. They, they always know a Paul Bosberg team is going to be something to reckon with, but even more so this year, it seems like, than the last few years. And so when you go to the uh, last week of their out-of-conference play, again, some good matchups. Uh, Hudson-Morrisville State, maybe not a, a game that a lot of people will think of as a good game. But in terms of Hudson, where they are this year, that's going to show us a lot, actually. Buffalo State at Cortland, Hartwick at St. Lawrence, Fisher at Ithaca, we already highlighted it. Uh, Alfred State at Brockport and Rochester at Alfred. One thing to point out. Congratulations last week to Jason Mangoni, I believe, correct, uh, on his 50th yes, right. coaching victory. Uh, he's at 51 now. We did miss that. We wanted to at least uh, add that to our discussion today, and we did so. Congratulations to Mangoni. Next up, the MAC. Uh, three teams did not play conference games uh, this week. That's Kings, Misericordia, and Albright. But... Wilkes, Widener, Delval, Leval. Those are your 1-0 teams. 3-0, only one team is, uh, uh, actually two teams are undefeated. 3-0 Wilkes, 2-0 Kings right now. Uh, those are still not the teams you would expect to be, those teams. And Stevenson yeah. at 1-2 after I lost to Delval. Lycoming at 1-2. Alvernia and FDU Florum. Albright at 0-2. This is just a conference to me. That is making no sense, except for Dalval being at top. One more time. Yeah, I think that sums it up right there. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you, Frank. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> in our conference games, there. there are five conference games. Stevenson, FDU, Florham. FDU, Florham, there's a chance to pick one off, I think. Stevenson thought they had a chance yeah. to win that game legitimately uh, last week against Delaware Valley. FDU Florham needs a bounce back after they lose to William Patterson a couple weeks ago. Widener at Alvernia, uh, Lycoming at Kings, Delval at Albright. Now we'll find out which Albright team really was in 
Belton, Texas, I guess, and uh, or which one yeah. exists after seeing them in Belton. Maybe it's a better way to say it. Yeah, so they're they impressive for a while there. Yeah, the defense might be enough to step up and cause problems for Anthony Fontana and company. Uh, we'll see. I mean, this is at Albright. I would not be shocked to see Albright be in this game in the fourth quarter. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. In Lebanon Valley at Misericordia. Misericordia's only played one game, I think, so far this season. So yeah, back, uh, yeah, back on your horse now there, uh, Misericordia. Uh, we've got the NJAC, Wesley and Salisbury. When did they move this game up to October, by the way? Or I think it's October, right? In a couple weeks? Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't know, but um, that's there's a lot of, there's a lot riding on that one. <laughs> yeah, I seriously, it's October twelfth and three Saturdays. But when did yeah. they do that? I mean, I, that was a fitting end of season type game or nearly end of season type game. That, that, that I'm disappointed to see it move up. To be honest with you, here's another rivalry game that should yeah. stay where it should stay, and it didn't. But okay, um, Kane at Dean. <laughs> How many people are going to see this uh, game uh, on their uh, listings this week and King call it Keen Dean? Dean. <laughs> yeah, the Keen Dean game. <laughs> it's Kane Maybe and Dean, folks. Montclair State at Hobart and King William Dean. Patterson at SUNY Maritime. We talked a little bit about Patterson earlier, but again, you know, William Patterson, here's a chance to sort of follow through. And, you know, yeah. see what happens here. Roll the dice and try to go to 2-1. and one. We'll see. It'll be an interesting game. Finally, NESCAC. And um, Millbury, Wesleyan, and Amherst are the 2-0 teams now. And don't forget, Trinity has to play all three on the full round robin they do. So yeah. Trinity's in control of their own destiny again to a certain extent because Tufts has lost to Williams now. So yep. yeah, Tufts got to lose once more to fully be in that control. But... You get where I'm going with this. That basically everybody above their heads right now, they have to play still, except for the team that beat them. So Trinity not dead yet, despite that week one loss. And coming up this week, we only saw really one highlight game, which was Williams Tufts for week their week two, we'll call it. Their week three, which is our week yeah. four, is uh, looking more or less like Trinity Middlebury to me as the big game. Although Amherst Definitely. Tufts could also be considered that for Trinity's purposes as well, and Amherst for that matter. So yeah, those two games came out. The Mammoths to win that one for sure, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if Will Jernigan can keep the you know keep the Panthers rolling. Uh, the good news for the Panthers, it looks like Seamus Lambert is back and healthy. He threw for a ton of yards um, last Saturday, so if he's if he's back, then I think things are looking good for Hartford State. Trinity College. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Right at the one-hour mark. So, give me your final thoughts for the week, and then we'll throw it to uh, we'll we'll throw it to the close for now. But then we'll obviously have our interviews uh, coming up later in the week, and hopefully another prediction show. Maybe we'll do it live again on Friday. Yeah, that worked. Out. That worked out pretty well. No, it was a uh, it was a great week. Um, great weekend of football. It was great to uh, get to meet some of the folks at the Western New England program. It's great to see some of these conference races with teams at the top that normally you don't always see. I love the unpredictability of it, and uh, there's going to be some more great games this weekend as we get kind of still flirting with conference play some places, but getting into it um, uh, for sure in other places. So. Uh, and also, Frank, one thing we forgot to shout out, Coach Kelly at Framingham State got his 100th win uh, last weekend. So congratulations to Coach Kelly. And like we said, Framingham controls their own destiny. Even if they with the rough start, they'll learn from it. But congrats, Coach Kelly, on 100 wins. Quick anecdote. Uh, I was at Merchant Marine. I was uh, walking down the stairs uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter after joining Jaden Daly. Thanks to him for letting me in the uh, press box. Uh, you know, they, I think most people want to kick me out when they see me go in, but at least Jaden gives me cover. And uh, so I'm walking downstairs. I thought I heard my last name being t said by somebody, but then I'm like, ah, I'm, they're probably saying bossy or something like that. And so I, by the time I hit the bottom of the uh, stands, I, I heard it more and I saw that it was coming from uh, two or three women uh, sitting in the stands. Must have been parents of players that watched yeah. the show, thanked me for coming as I was uh, heading back downstairs to uh, go nice. to the uh, the uh, sideline area. But uh, we appreciate all of our Merchant Marine fans and all of our East Region fans, period. Uh, the parents that know we're out there, we always ask you to do us a favor because parents talk to parents of these football programs in Division Three all the time. In the tailgates or whatever, remind the other parents that we are out there covering East Region games 
through and through all 60 plus teams that we have in the East region. Seventy. Yeah. yeah, it may actually hit 70 now. You're right. But whatever it is, we cover them and we touch every game as you saw in crunch time. So please remind folks that we're out in the cyber world here broadcasting in the huddle. <laughs> we'll see you later, folks. Thanks for joining us.